yours is gonna look so much classier. I couldn't find, the only reason was because I couldn't find a, a koozie. koozie. Oh, they're in the drawer. I looked in the drawer. We need Sefi koozies. We should make cute little oh sex God. positive koozies. Yes. Or like consent things. Yeah, especially for koozies because uh -huh. alcohol. Because alcohol. What would they say? Like, my something like, if I said no before I was this drunk, I'd still mean no or something. I don't yeah. know. Like, because it's so interesting. I was listening to a podcast on threesomes this morning. And um, they were saying that most threesomes happen in states of inebriation. Mm. And that it's really hard to like extract the research because most people were having them without planning, without talking, without mm. like really coming to consensual agreements that felt safe in everybody's bodies before, during, and after. Mm. That so often there was substance involved. Yeah. And maybe one of the reasons why fantasy is so much better than reality of threesomes is the presence of substance. Yeah. And I was like, that is fascinating research. What else could a koozie say? Just because I'm drinking doesn't mean I want you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Sex Ed for You, the podcast where research meets reality. I am Lauren, a certified holistic sexuality educator. And I'm Holland, and I have a Bachelor of Science in Public Health. Sex Ed for You's podcast is for people who want to date and have great sex that is fun and safe and enjoyable. We like to empower our listeners to make informed decisions that lead to values-based living. Hey friends, Holland here. In this episode, we emphasize the importance of communication and discuss common obstacles to healthy communication. I also throw out 20 questions to ask a potential partner and why I think they're important. Check the description for a link to download that handout. Enjoy. How do you get, when you're drinking, mm -hmm. uh, or under any form of substance, right? And I think it's always good to talk about these things because it's interesting. One of my favorite authors about partnership, Alison Armstrong, talks about how it's really good to have substance conversations early mm -hmm. on in partnership because some people love a sober life. And we need to celebrate that. There is a lot of like glorification of overindulgence of substance. But then some people are perfectly fine partaking mm -hmm. or have a favorite substance, right? And yeah, but on substance, do you get handsy? Do you get less handsy? Do you get reserved? Do you get horny? What does your body do on substance? Horny, immediately. <laughs> I take three sips of alcohol and I'm like, where is my person? Uh -huh. You have something I want, <laughs> <laughs> and I want it now. I get immediately very frisky, not necessarily in like a like a come hither way, <laughs> but just very like I think what it is. Obviously, alcohol releases your mm -hmm. inhibitions. Mm -hmm. I immediately am just comfortable with asking for what I want all day, which is just constant physical touch. Hmm. I just want someone to hold my hand and tell me I'm pretty and kiss me on the forehead. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I want. <laughs> and then I start asking for it, but I do immediately want to have sex, both weed and alcohol. Just right away. Yeah. Is there a bell curve? Is there like a point of diminishing return where all of a sudden absolutely. you're like, oh, no longer. Now I just need bed or something else. Oh, absolutely. Because I, I don't typically drink to intoxication. Mm -hmm. That's not normal for me. Okay. Um, I'll drink to tipsy, mm -hmm. but I don't go to like drunk because then... I just kind of become a mess. I just don't like the way I feel when I'm drunk. I like the feeling of tipsy, but you can't maintain tipsy very well. No. <laughs> so I, yeah, after I get past tipsy, I go back to sober or I get drunker. And either way, I don't want sex anymore. So you got to get me right in the happy zone <laughs> of like, I am feeling life. <laughs> and then after that, it's over. <laughs> Is there any difference on marijuana? Oh, Yeah. Um, cause marijuana is more of an even high, uh -huh. like it's, there's not as much of a bell curve. Like you smoke and then you kind of just stay at that level until mm -hmm. you're no longer high, I guess. I mean, it does dwindle off eventually, but it's more of just a constant elation, I guess. For those who experience that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause for me, I primarily use weed as anxiety mm -hmm. help, mm -hmm. um, and like help with sleep. Mm -hmm. So I'm not typically going into smoking weed thinking I can't wait for this experience. Like, yeah, let's yeah. go have sex. Yeah. It's more, I mm -hmm. need help with my very loud brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then once I get 
out of my head, that's when the like horniness comes in because it's not so much that the substance itself is making me horny. It's more so that my brain and the inhibitions Mm. and the stress and the loudness of what goes on in this ADHD riddled Mm. brain is finally like quieter. So it's more so that I can enjoy sex without (laughs) being mentally elsewhere. I was just thinking for our listeners and audience members and our friends who have chosen a sober life, how important it is to still find rituals that bring them to those places. Obviously, we work in like the pleasure and play field, right? I always believe that if we take something out of our life, we need to replace it with something that brings us ooey gooey juicy joy. And I think for so many people, you talk to somebody who drinks coffee, you talk to somebody who drinks tea or you drinks alcohol or mm-hmm. uses weed, it's the ritual that it has just as much <sighs> quiets the loudness as the actual substance does. Absolutely. And so I was just thinking while you were saying that, that that's such a beautiful thing to have a tool that does that. Mm-hmm. And in times where we can't get that substance, in times where we want to be sober for something, do we give ourselves enough credit to say, oh, but you still need that ritual. You still get that mm. ritual. You still deserve that ritual. There's nothing wrong with us. Yeah. We are human beings that live in this loud world mm-hmm. where people are demanding all these things from us and getting to a place where you hit the nail on the head, we can ask for what we want. Mm-hmm. It's really hard sometimes, especially after a day of like noise. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, ah, it, it regardless, I think I should say, of whether or not we'd like to use substances or we don't, we need to have practices in our lives where we can be like, oh, okay, hmm. what do I really need? What do I want? Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that can apply to every, almost uh-huh. everybody, really. So then we come down to the question of how do you find the person whose wind down ritual routine is compatible with yours? Yeah. They don't have to be the same. No. But I think that's definitely important to have someone who's is compatible with yours. Yes. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, someone who's recovering from alcoholism isn't going to want somebody who cracks open a beer at the end of the day mm-hmm. to feel. And that's not to say that cracking open a beer isn't a bad is a bad mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It's just that that may not be compatible for that couple. You know, as I so I was married to a person who's an alcoholic for a decade, um, and is in recovery and doing really wonderfully. But yeah, the the purpose of alcohol for that person was to escape this world, right? And Marion Woodman has these beautiful things on use of substances and that our hearts need to break for those who are using substances in that way mm. because most of the time they are our most sensitive souls. Yeah. Like they are the ones who need something to silence mm-hmm. the world. And I love that vantage point. Instead of coming yeah. at it from like a what's wrong with you, yeah. a oh. Like, what if our hearts just groan for you? Mm-hmm. And that they want to experience a little more elation, a little more joy, a little mm-hmm. more, which I love that concept too, that, yeah. Ah, but yes, substances were a huge deal in our partnership mm-hmm. because it, it was fine before and then everything fell apart and then it yeah. wasn't and it wasn't something we could enjoy together. So yeah, yeah. that leads us to today's topic very well, which is kind of conversations to be having early on in mm-hmm. relationships yeah and when is the right time to ask things when's the right time to figure out things and you have real life experience and I have I mean mine's not that far in the past but we kind of talked about on a recent episode like yeah the things I was doing was not doing in the beginning mm-hmm. and yeah I'd like to talk about that today the different yeah. conversations to have does it feel good to you yeah absolutely okay okay um yeah, I think that so often, A, we won't do this step, which is figure out what we really need and want mm. first, right? So I want to encourage our audience that the research would say, which is perfect for this podcast, that before we go having these conversations with someone else, we need to be having them with ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would never have been able to know like what to ask for if I didn't know what I needed. Mm-hmm. How, how are you supposed to ask someone, can you give this to me if you don't know what this is? Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Get you. yourself a Holland, everybody. 
<laughs> Get yourself a Holland. It's fascinating and wonderful to have in your life. Um, okay, do you want to talk a little bit about maybe experiences you had before where you didn't know mm. yourself as well? And I'd love to do the same. Yeah. Um, gosh, there are so many. <laughs> uh, every relationship before a year ago. And the only reason I'm saying before a year ago is because I've not been dating for the past year. So like, pretty much every relationship in my history. And I think what it came down to was that I didn't want to acknowledge that I did need things. Mm-hmm. I more so wanted to fill the gaps of other people. So I just didn't really think about what I needed because I didn't think I did need anything. That was almost cryptic. Um, <laughs> just... I love to serve other people and I've found joy in serving others. Um, I think a big step for me is finding the balance between serving others yet finding someone who can also care for me in the way that I need to be cared for. So learning to ask someone to care for me Mm -hmm. and to tell them the ways that I need to be cared for is difficult. It's very Mm -hmm. against my nature Mm -hmm. in every way. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would just ignore myself, my needs, and um, throughout the entire relationship, but especially in the beginning. Yeah. You know, I'd, I I have thoughts on like where this comes from, um, but then I'd love to hear yours. I think that for many people, especially raised in female bodies, we have observed relationships from the time we were tiny where the person in the female role um, did female jobs mm-hmm. that usually required service. Even if they weren't all inside the home, they were teachers, nurses, these types of roles, which I think we saw applauded. And so we were like, oh, this is a good thing to do. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with us. And I also think that many of us raised in the United States of America were taught that it can feel good to be needed Mm. and then we were bred to become codependent which Mm. is really sad um reading melanie Beatty's book codependent no more was life-changing to me Mm. because here i had been married to an alcoholic for 10 years who was emotionally abusive and verbally abusive and psychologically abusive um but it was codependent no more that made me realize that I actually loved it, right? Mm. I actually got purpose from being the person he so badly needed. Mm-hmm. And it was a really necessary part of my healing journey to realize, oh, I got to do that work. Mm-hmm. That yes, he played a role in it, but boy, did I too. Because I could not exactly voice what I needed. And I had made excuses, which are a very typical response of learned helplessness. Like there wasn't space for my needs or this, this, yes, sure. Both truths exist at once. There wasn't. And had I been more clear in the beginning about Mm -hmm. what I really needed, I never would have gotten married to this person Mm -hmm. because they never provided for my needs. This was something I could have known a Mm -hmm. long time before. Um, But I really, I remember... We had broken up, my ex-husband and I, when we were dating, and then he all of a sudden like wanted to get back together with me. And I remember saying, like, why? And he said I was at this event, and I was freaking out, and I was so full of anxiety, and I thought if just Lauren was here, mm. I would feel better. The way that would light me up inside if somebody told me that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm. Not to foreshadow. That's so manipulative. Right, mm. and I thought oh, he wants me. Yeah, but he didn't want me. No. He wanted the things I brought to him: the yeah. sense of calm, the sense of order, the sense of control. Yeah, mm. um, and that same story was just repeated over and over and over again in our mm. relationship. Um, he would text me constantly if I was out to check in on me, um, to know where I was, and I would go, "Oh, like I feel needed and wanted." Mm. But I, when I would come home, he wouldn't care at all. Like, he was not happy that I was home. It was this concept of he needed me to be okay so he could be okay. Mm. That's all it was. It had nothing to do with my thriving and flourishing in this world. Codependency at its finest. Codependency at its finest. And yet so many people in little girl bodies are walking around having it 
applauded, mm-hmm. right? How many teachers are underpaid? Nurses are underpaid. I mean, and no, right? It's glorified. We celebrate these incredible teachers, but we're not willing to pay them more, right? Like it's, we have to watch. Yep. We really have to watch because I think, and give ourselves grace and compassion, which is always going to be what we're talking about on this podcast, that sure, like these are our own things, like our own things to learn and also our systems have to change. Yeah. Right? It's not like you and I just like popped on the scene like <laughs> with these like codependent issues. Nope. No, it is it is a system-wide issue uh-huh. that we all get to look at and be curious about together. Okay. So fast forward to now. What types of things are you realizing that you need as a human being that are really going to be things you have to stick to? Yeah. Um, Communication is the biggest one mm-hmm. by far. I think I in the past have let communication become a background necessity Mm. because I can compensate for that. I'm an over communicator. (laughs) So I can compensate for those who don't want to communicate with me, but I've realized that that is, is not the status quo. Mm. (laughs) It's okay to expect someone to communicate with you effectively. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what does Trey always say? The bar is so low for men. <laughs> like, uh, it is. You expect a partner to talk to you? Wow. wow. Um, that, I think, like what we were talking about earlier, someone who's okay with me using weed as a medicine, okay. um, it's just not something that I can currently part ways with. And that sounds negative. It sounds like an. it's just something I use to, re- and it really helps my life it Mm -hmm. makes a positive impact on my life I honestly at this point view it as medicine Mm -hmm. so for me having someone who would be judgmental about that Mm -hmm. would very negatively affect my life Mm -hmm. um someone who I guess now I'm just kind of (laughs) describing the person that I need but it's more so that's fine um acceptance Mm -hmm. of the way I live my life and more so like not celebration yeah of the way I, I was gonna life. say maybe a little more than acceptance I was like yeah, I was trying <laughs> yeah like sure <laughs> bare bones they yeah. should accept it but uh-huh. yeah no so just celebration of the fact that I've found a field that I love someone who can encourage me mm-hmm. in that and is not afraid of what that means for me and for my life mm-hmm. what about um I always say that we either need silence, solitude, or stillness. Hmm. Do you have kind of one of those when you need to rejuvenate? Silence, solitude, stillness, or all three? But like, what one is like, hmm, to your soul? Silence. Definitely not silence. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely You and your music. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be solitude because it's not stillness either uh-uh. nine times out of ten isn't i get my car isn't that crazy a lot of people yeah. like we'll just pick one i want to run in a circle uh-huh <laughs> so yeah. solitude solitude i get uh-huh. in my car i turn my music up to five bajillion mm-hmm. and i drive out to the yeehaws mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. few times if necessary mm-hmm. hours on end i mean i think the longest drive i've ever taken was probably like five hours mm-hmm. i did it on monday yeah it's like the most clearing thing in my soul I just need it um yeah, that's a big part of what mm-hmm. I do to help mm-hmm. sit and process. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing that whether dating, mm-hmm. married, yada, yada, that partnership, again, and and even if it's a situationship, right, yeah. needs to be celebrated of that. Because <laughs> how many times are people in relationships with people where they need their thing? Mm-hmm. So solitude. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, what have I done? It's like, yeah. mm, no. See, that creates... Mm-hmm. It like churns up something that doesn't need to be churned. Yeah. And I think as partners, dating, situationships, whatever, it is something we can nurture. We yeah. can be like, do you need your need your car? Yeah. Right? Instead of <gasps> right? And texting and being like, Yeah, what's wrong? What's wrong? It's like, no, can we mm-hmm. trust? Maybe that's what it really goes back to is mm, this kind of like trust in yeah. who you are, in your tools. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian Marie Brown says, um, there's your work. There's my work and there's our work. It's our favorite. Y'all get ready for the quotes <laughs> that we spout on this podcast that are just going to be continual. Because like, 
That's so yeah. necessary. Because you're and you have to be healed for that. Because yeah. people with mm. the fear of abandonment problems, mm-hmm. someone would not be able to date me if they had a fear of abandonment and so was still struggling beautiful. with it. Because I genuinely need to be able to get in my car and leave. Yes. And like I'm gonna communicate that. Yes. I'm not just gonna dip, right. but I do need to be able to be gone when mm-hmm. if if I need to digest something, whether it just happened to me or it's something that my partner has done. I digest that by being alone with my music. Yes. So someone who has a fear of abandonment is not someone that would that would mesh well with no, me. No, that's so beautifully stated. That is a trauma-informed way of dating. Welcome to <laughs> When Research Meets Reality. I do not think that it is consensual of us mm. to insist that partners be at the same level of healing of, as we are yeah. because that is not okay. It is not our job to determine when someone heals. It yeah. is theirs and theirs alone to decide when they are ready to step into these new things. And you and I talk about this constantly of it is one thing to express our needs. It is another thing to demand someone meet those needs. And if someone has a fear of abandonment because of fill in the blank, it is not our job to be like, we'll heal already. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> nope, that's their timeline. Yeah, like we don't do that. And it is hard. I get it. Like, it's so hard to say like, gosh, I really adore this person. Why can't they meet this need? Yeah. It's not that we're sitting here saying it's easy. It's just. Yeah. And you've explained it to me too. And because obviously I'm dating. <laughs> Good job. I think it's so interesting how you've said many times, like you tell the person what you need. And then they tell you whether they can give it to you or not. But it does put the responsibility back on me to decide whether I'm going to leave because of that or not. Am I going to leave or am I going to stay? So that's one of the wheel of consent things. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's difficult. But if once you view it from that point too, it makes it a lot easier to see the situation for what it is rather than, oh, I'm a terrible person for leaving this just because they can't give me this one thing. Well, you told them you needed that Mm -hmm. thing. That person said they wouldn't provide it. And then being able to communicate it in that way of saying, hey, I really like you, but Mm -hmm. if you can't meet this need, then I need to find someone who can. Mm -hmm. That's such a beautiful way to communicate that rather than saying, screw you, got to (laughs) go. Yeah. (laughs) Or ghosting. Yes. And, you know, listen, here on this podcast, we're going to talk about our mistakes too, or like the stumbles, because I don't think it's always done like oh, that was mm-hmm. the easiest thing in the world God, no, right it's hard. no but if we could do less vilification of human beings mm-hmm. i just think we'd all be a lot better if we could say like oh like think how often people have the <laughs> gathering where we talk about what an asshole that guy was and everybody mm-hmm. eats ice cream and watches some chick flick mm-hmm. i'm like uh, maybe he wasn't an asshole maybe he was at a certain point in his developmental journey and wasn't able to meet her needs in the way that she desired and she should have listened to her own intuition months yeah. ago she let it get too far she kept letting all these little things that he is simply not capable of giving at this or moment not even interested <laughs> yeah. in giving yeah and that's okay yes fine he'll find someone who is okay one of my dearest friends she knows this I will say that she dated a guy once who was very clear with her from the very beginning what he was and was not interested in providing of this season a relationship mm. and then wouldn't provide that thing for her. And she'd be like, why isn't he providing this for me? And I'd look at her and be like, because he told you. Yeah. Like Maya Angelou says, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Mm. I, I, I not like I want to hold space for everyone in this space. But no, why, why are we vilifying? Mm. If we're asking true questions which is what you're suggesting that we try, are we really listening to the answer? Mm. Or just filtering it through ears that want to hear what they Mm want to hear? Mm -hmm. And I get belonging. I get companionship, right? Mm -hmm. Like, boy, does it feel nice. Yeah. But I think if you are okay with that, with just searching for companionship, then you've got to be okay with not meeting all your needs. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's a fun question for you, because we've talked about this a lot, right? Like, sometimes we have human needs Mm -hmm. that relationships, even that are far from perfect, are meeting. Mm -hmm. At what point is that helpful and great? And at what point does it get in the way of our further growth or our further opportunity to find a better version of relationship for us? Mm. So, like, at what point in a new relationship do you decide continue going or turn left? Yeah. Right, because some of us have all been in, like, fine 
yeah. relationships or situationships that yeah. are giving us what they gave us. We talked about this on the podcast where we <laughs> talked about the pick a color. Um, and that wasn't great, but it provided me with physical intimacy. Yeah. The sex was horrible, right? The situation was hilarious. Um, did we continue into a dating thing? No, 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 no. But it provided me with something, right? Mm-hmm. So at what point do we say, this is okay? Mm. And then at what point is it clogging like the pipe? Yeah. For more yeah. and better things. I've always, I mean, my mom has always said things like, get him out of your husband's way. <laughs> like if he's not doing this this and this get him out of your husband's way which like power to lee (laughs) i i don't think you can answer that right because that feels antiquated now that i hear it put like that i sound a lot like that so continue on (laughs) well no because i think i think you're right i think so many people have that question i have that question everyone has that question Mm -hmm. especially in the talking stage of things or the pre-label before you're officially solidified you're like when how do you make that decision I think it's just so different based on every person Mm -hmm. for me personally right now in this moment yes go it is all about connection it is all about my emotional I am so emotionally guided it is all about she has an emotional authority in human design continue (laughs) for me it's all about whether my soul feels connected and safe and valued and pursued by this person's soul for me connections like that are very rare Mm. i have had maybe three one of them is my best friend in the entire world Mm -hmm. and like they're not happening all the time so for me if i have that connection or a thought that maybe that connection is possible then it's worth pursuing for me even if other things are missing. So you mean like you'd be willing to like sit in something that's not fulfilling in every single way, shape, and form if you have that connection because that connection feels special enough that you feel like it's providing something. It is providing for a human need. To a degree. Okay. Um. I think if we're keeping within the context of like talking stage relationships. Sure. Great. There are certain things that cannot be forgiven. There are certain things that cannot be like missing. I just have my own personal standards of things that must be necessary. But that connection, that like soul touch or whatever the hell it's going to be called, Mm -hmm. like that to me is primary. And then secondary are like the logical things. But that's just how I'm built. (laughs) Well, I am really glad you brought that to the surface because I think a lot of our audience is going to feel the same way is that we I think we all know how rare that is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have we talked about this on here? I don't know if we have that. So when Trey, now husband, Mm -hmm. and I were apart, I met another human that I dated Mm -hmm. for six weeks and we a hundred percent had like a soul connection. Um, it was just like a, hmm, like felt mm-hmm. comfortable with him. Were there communicatory red flags from the beginning? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did I not listen to them because it felt nice to be in a space with someone that I felt connected to? Yeah. Was I willing to see if they could be worked out in different spaces? Yeah. Um, were they eventually not? And did my inner child have to be screaming at me? Like, please don't let this happen to you again. Like, mm. please don't let your voice be silenced again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I get it. I get it. Because there was a reason why I silenced those other things. I was like, shh, 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 shh. No. No, 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 no. We're safe. It's fine. Quiet. We are grown up now. <laughs> we are okay. <laughs> my inner child's like, no, you're not. Being an adult does not give me like, oh, I'm fine. It's not a big deal. No, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. But I get I get that connection piece. And I think it's, yep. I think it is a big deal. And I think we get to have good communication and good connection. Call me crazy. I yeah. think it can happen. Both. 
Mm-hmm. The logic and the emotional can line up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to like our original intent. What are some questions that you feel like should be asked? Ooh, put you on the spot, oh sex educator. Yeah. What are some questions you think people of your age demographic should be asking in talking stages of relationships? I'm just gonna rattle them just off. Just go. Um, <laughs> this is your podcast just as much as it's mine. Sex drive, um, mm. STIs, um, substances uh past relationships but like not to the you don't have to detail like i don't need to know everything but i do think that there is value found in past relationships Mm -hmm. um how recent have you been in contact with your exes um how i guess this goes with substances but like how often do you partake Mm -hmm. and like what does addiction look like to you Mm. um do you have like a history family history of addiction i think health is something that's important to talk about um like do you have like predispositions to something that's just for me i mean that's probably later in dating but um finances um debt uh do you want to go back to school Mm -hmm. at my age um what are your career goals do you want to have kids do you want to get married do you believe in marriage just so many things abortions and um birth control uh foundational beliefs like religion there are so many deep conversations that i think are important if you have um sexuality conversations i think are also important no matter what type of relationship you're in yes um mental health therapy discussions um are you in therapy you know that kind of stuff um i think i covered it all it was 20 questions. <laughs> I can't wait to make this a handout. I have more than that. The They're nerdy, just not the on the nerdy educator me was like, let's go. <laughs> There's so many. Wonderful. We'll make it an ebook. Those were amazing. Those are really, really amazing. Um, uh, what do you mean sexuality conversations? Yeah, since, mm. especially since this is a sex ed podcast. I yeah. think this is really important that you brought this up. Um, sexuality conversations, I think are just important to have so that you're on the same baseline. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally don't think it should affect whether you are or not with a person, Mm -hmm. but I think it would feel very icky if you didn't tell someone your sexuality and later on in your relationship, they were like, Oh, look at that hot girl. She's so hot. And the other person's like, you're interested in girls. What? Like, it would just be really like off-putting I think Mm -hmm. for someone to find out something that intimate about their partner deep into a relationship I can just see that being very discombobulating yep agreed and I think a really good time to check internalized phobias Mm. um I think so many of us have these unchecked biases internally and it's a really good time to feel into some of those things and you know, maybe it's not a bias, maybe it's a preference, mm-hmm. right? And maybe someone's like, oh my goodness, I celebrate it. I am an ally yeah. and I really, right, love to be with gay men who are like gay, gay, gay. Yeah. <laughs> right? And that's okay. Like, yeah. that is so good. Um, talk to me about sex drive. This is Ooh. an interesting question. If only little Lauren had asked this question of her then not knowing he was gay husband. Yeah. Um, This would have been an important question. Why do you think this is an important question? I think it's a very intimate part of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it's something that should be discussed. And when I say sex drive, I mean just the overarching conversation of sex in general. Yeah. Because if one person is into very vanilla missionary sex and the other person wants to be tied up and peed on, Mm -hmm. both things are great. Maybe not the best relationship. No. For them. And I back to your original statement about, you know, if this is a need you have and someone else is not interested or willing to provide mm-hmm. you with that need, that does not mean anything bad yeah. about that other person, right? Like, we all get to have the sex we want to have, mm-hmm. but it is not okay mm-hmm. to demand someone provide yeah. us with the sex that we want to have. And and that conversation may very much open doors for the other person yeah. and they may end up being like, okay, well, let's try it. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I think talking about sex in all of its capacities, Mm -hmm. sex drive, interests, fantasies, um, threesomes, things like Mm -hmm. that are just a really important thing to know about your partner. Um, because otherwise, how are you going to really have the sex life that you want? How are either of you going to have the sex Mm -hmm. life that you want? 
Um, so talking about, hey, sex once a week or right. every day right. um, is how you can communicate to that person and avoid future arguments. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm thinking too, obviously this is a nerdy thing, but like styles of initiation, right? Mm. The way I love to be communicated to regarding sex is fill in the blank. How does that feel to you? You know, how do you like to feel pursued, right? How do you like to initiate sex? How do you like sex initiated with you? Mm -hmm. The amount of people who tell me that their partner just like elbows them or like just winks Mm. and that's like their sign. Go time. (laughs) Uh But they want more, they want a romance style, right? Mm. Or they want soft touches throughout the day, Mm. not just the wink or the poke. These are, right? These are fun things to talk about. Again, for the purpose of giving the person, like, their own agency. Yeah. Which is really beautiful, especially in the talking stages. Mm-hmm. I mean, are we still talking talking stages? Yeah, Not even the like, commitment of, like, naming, defining the relationship. I like to have those conversations within the talking... Com- uh, my brain just stage. blanked. Yeah, talking stage. <laughs> because it's for like, me... stage? Yeah. Yeah. Labels are, are big for me. Um, committing to a relationship is big for me. Hmm. Um, just because I don't know, it just is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've just decided that Good. being someone's be. partner means mm-hmm. being someone's partner in every essence of the word. Mm. Um, I'm not big on the whole, like we just started dating. I'm not going to do that for him yet. No, if we're dating, we're dating. I'll do that. Like I am your partner. Mm. I am your sidekick. I am going to be there for you. Mm. So being, a girlfriend to me means a lot. Hmm. Um, so these conversations happen pre-commitment for me. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like the, it would be so freeing for all parties. What? Okay. A conversation we had here at Savvy often are like, what are the things that could get in the way mm-hmm. of that? Right. Mm-hmm. What do you think, given your experience with people in your age bracket, are the reasons people don't have these conversations? Embarrassment. Hmm. Um, that came so easily to you. <laughs> well, because that's that's the number one that I struggle with. Um, embarrassment is hard for everybody. Um, mm. If you have a backstory with something or feel shame surrounding right. one of the answers to these questions, um, fear of losing the person because of whatever your answer is to said question, I think a lot of it, can fall under the umbrella of fear, shame, embarrassment, um, regret even. Mm -hmm. There's just so much, it's just negative emotions surrounding hard topics. One of my favorite authors talks often about that we can only experience the truly erotic when we have first experienced security. And in my own personal journey post-divorce, where then I was entering my like happy little slut era. What I found was my initial dating relationships, right? Like casual encounters and talking stages Mm -hmm. like yours um, were so much less fulfilling than the ones further on in my journey because I was less secure in myself. Mm. That until home was here. Yep. Home was not with another person. Home was here. Yeah. Right? Coming home to myself until that was like understood. When I would have a one night stand with someone, I would just, I would want it to be so much more than it was. Mm. Right? And I would find myself hiding pieces of myself because I wanted to belong. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be kept, be held, be part of something, be part Mm -hmm. of someone. And... That was it was a lot of work. Yeah. It yeah. was a lot of work that only had to do with me. Didn't yeah. really have to do with anybody else. There's a there's a sound trending on Instagram right now. Mm. Um why have we not used the sound? <laughs> well, it's a girl saying when you're dating me, you're competing with me. Mm-hmm. I'm at the point in my life where I am so happy with who I am. I want to go home and I want to hang out with myself. I want to be alone. I want to eat lunch alone. I want to go to movies alone because I love me. You are competing with me. You have to be so good that I would rather see you than be alone. That's harder than competing with any other man. And I, that, I love that. that. 
there was this moment where I was scrubbing my tiny little floor in my tiny little basement apartment when I had no money to my name and I was still happy. Yeah. And my music was playing. <laughs> um, the door was open. Like I was doing all the things I wanted to do and I had that exact thought. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like if this is as bad as it gets, <laughs> like I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. And so now any person is competing with this right? Like their presence is going to need to add to this. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. Like this is delightful. It's the difference in searching for someone to fill a hole Mm -hmm. and searching for someone to add onto your already exciting and joyful and fulfilling life. And don't get us wrong. We love sex. We love partnership here at Sex Ed for You. I There is, there's so much, and Esther Perel will say this all the time, Mm -hmm. that there is an amount of healing that can happen individually, yeah. And then there's a whole other level of healing that happens in partnership. Totally think so, but I think Holland has hit the nail on the head with her 20 questions to ask Mm. in the talking stages, which we will make (laughs) as a a download, because it's got to be better than. Mm -hmm. It has got to be better than your life as a human being worthy of pleasure on your own. Mm Right? Like you and I are big on a healthy masturbatory practice and a yeah. solo pleasure practice, right? There there should be endless freedom for pleasure and orgasm on one's own. Mm-hmm. And partnership should add to that. Yep. Not take it away. Yep. And and I know that's hard, right? I don't also like let's let it meet reality for a second, right? Like I it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fucking hard. <laughs> I am proud of me. I am having the best life I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And it's still really, really mm-hmm. damn hard for me to ask for what I need. Mm-hmm. It's that fear of what if I ask and then they no longer want to give? Yes. What if I ask this and I don't like the answer? Mm-hmm. Terrifying. And I'm happier than I've ever been. Right. And again, that's why I'm so thankful for this podcast. Thanks for making this happen. Because, yeah, right? We can sit here in these chairs and say, these are the top 20 questions to ask. And it's hard. So hard. Um, I haven't asked them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know them off the top of my head because I haven't asked them. So I know what's on the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you feel like gets in the way personally? Like you said, embarrassment, you said globally, right? I asked you like global. What do you think personally gets in the way? Well, it depends on who you're dating, Mm -hmm. who I'm dating. Mm -hmm. But currently for me, it's hard because I know that (laughs) I seem like I have it all together. And I seem like I know exactly what I want and I feel demanding. I feel like a lot of people see me coming from the place that maybe people on social media and Mm -hmm. our clients see you and I as perfect, higher than thou, holier Mm -hmm. than thou, able to demand these things because we are so quote unquote perfect, but in reality I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I think that I fear... I fear this like partner running out of like not running, but like not feeling, feeling like they are enough simply because they think that I am so much. I love that. It's going to make me cry. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes me cry because I was that was one of my like deepest fears too. Mm. Was that as a powerful woman, and I mean that in the way of like Cassandra speaks powerful, right? As mm. a doing power differently type mm-hmm. of woman who is not going to any longer pretend that mm-hmm. I was not powerful. I all of the men I casually dated and talked to literally said things like you're too much or quote I will never be enough for you I will never be the type of man that you're looking for I don't think they were actually saying that negatively against me I think they were literally saying Lauren (laughs) I am not that man yeah (laughs) like some of these people I am still friends with and they were just like I'm not that guy 
And I remember crying in the kitchen once and telling Trey almost that exact thing, Mm. saying, I'm afraid that one day you're going to wake up and realize I am way too much. Mm. And he said, oh, baby, you're too much is one of the first things I fell in love with. And that's what I mean of like clogging like the like I think there are people out there who think that powerful women who demand a lot are fantastic and they are mesmerized by them and it's it's okay yeah it's okay but that is so hard that is so hard in reality again research and the reality I just yeah it also makes me take a step back though and look at what I'm asking for and look at what I am quote unquote demanding. Mm -hmm, And I mm -hmm. realize that it's not all that much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's such an important part of the process for me because I do feel that way. I feel that I am demanding. I am too much. I am this, this and that. And that will bar me or stop me from asking for what I need. The, yeah. the original thing yeah. that we were talking right. about yeah. way back at the beginning I will not ask for things because I feel demanding and Ooh. then it takes me to remove myself from that situation go on a drive mm-hmm. and realize I'm not asking for that much so then I go home and I ask for it nine times out of ten that person gives it to me right they do and I think that's what's so powerful. I, the amount of couples I will have on the couch in the office here or on Zoom who will say, and then he, he never or she never or they never, blah, 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 blah. And the other person turns to him and goes, you never asked for that. Yeah, I didn't know you wanted that. And shame on us. Yeah. Okay? Like, that is self-responsibility. It that is. is not somebody else's job. And they better at least get a fighting chance. Yeah. Learning to... Uh, cope with the fear of someone's answer to your question is one of the hardest things you can do because asking the question isn't the hard part. It's fearing what they're going to say because then, like we said earlier, it puts the responsibility back on me to do what I want to do with that answer because if they don't give me the answer I want, I have to decide if I'm willing to stay and then it puts it back on me. But it's, Oh, it's just so important to do, though. It's not something that you can just avoid because then you end up on Lauren's couch. It is. <laughs> you will be there. Um, free consult. Uh, the, the, the free consult. <laughs> Go to sexedforyou.com forward slash free consult. The fascinating trauma-informed angle of this is so many of us as little children, when we tried to ask for what we needed, wanted, or desired, had our hands slapped. Yeah. Right? Had this experience of... No, right? So mm-hmm. many of my clients can tell me these fascinating stories of asking for something they wanted yeah. only to be told they were being selfish. Mm. And so I think it's a very important self-reflection exercise to say, okay, okay, why is my body scared of asking for what I want? Mm. And does this have to do with a person I am talking to or a memory from the past? Yeah. Because that's also not fair yeah. for this person we're talking to. Yeah. They get a chance to show us who they are. Mm-hmm. And it could be, yeah, another unfortunate response. Yeah. But not unfortunate for them, just unfortunate for us. Yep. It's okay. They get to go live their life. Yeah. And And find a partner who wants different things. Yeah. And like you said, that it might be a reaction from a past. That's why I think it's important to talk about past relationships. Seeing those patterns and the way that you yourself have Mm -hmm. acted in past Mm -hmm. relationships, acknowledging the mistakes Mm -hmm. that me that I Mm -hmm. have made in the past and telling my future potential partner can help so much with conflict resolution in the future Mm -hmm. because that person can then recognize hey I know that this is a pattern of yours I know that you're you seem like you need to ask me something and you're not Mm -hmm. asking me what do you need to ask me or Mm -hmm. it's just communication can be so beautiful in so many ways by giving our partners the tools to understand us yes the way that we understand us no trey will say often especially early on in our relationship lauren and i am not your ex-husband i am not your father Mm -hmm. and it was what it was it was a sign for me "Mm, need to go back inside yeah because i am putting this person in a male body yep right and it is one thing for it to be a trauma-informed conversation that is fine for him to be sensitive to my woundings totally fine 
totally not okay for me to anticipate this whole conversation to end a certain way because he is the embodiment of such and such. Nope, that's Mm -hmm. my work to do in therapy and in self-reflection and in somatic work. That is not Trey's job to fix. Yeah. It was mine. But his ability to recognize it is so beautiful. Right. And not like, and he didn't do it in an angry way, but like "Mm, that result's not going to be the same. And that's all you really need Mm -hmm. is just like that, Mm -hmm. that quick check of like, Hey, I'm not him. Right. And then that puts the responsibility, the responsibility back on you to say, Oh, you're right. And Mm -hmm. I need to go sit with myself Mm -hmm. or I need to go to therapy Mm -hmm. or insert Mm -hmm. whatever you need to do to heal that part of yourself. But it's not your partner's responsibility to do it for you. It's no other humans. Yeah. Him being able to say, Hey, Uh uh-huh. Is mm-hmm. so beautiful. No, oh, thank you for your amazing list of things to ask early on in partnership, and also thank you for your transparency. I think that's one of our hopes with this podcast is that th- y'all can see that there's research and then mm-hmm. there's reality. And I think we're humans who are not doing things perfectly, yep. and we are committed to <laughs> saying that a new power paradigm looks like doing things with transparency and yeah. doing things with a non-hierarchical position and saying no we're learning too yeah and i hope we always are i hope that there's always this like oh wow that's cool we'll keep each other keep each other in check yes we will <laughs> yes we will any closing thoughts communication it's Hot. important so so important. I think that's what all 20 of the questions come down to. Communicate mm-hmm. about who you are, what you want, and where you've been, and where you want to go. She said it perfectly, folks. <laughs> Thank you for coming to this episode. Sex Ed for You with Lauren and Holland, where research meets reality. If you want to know more, and you're like, wow, that's a great 20 questions, you should click the links in our resources. <laughs> Because I am sure by the time this goes live, you will have this handout because it's a good one. I'll um, make it this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you're like, okay, that's a great handout, but I need practice on how to actually tangibly deliver those things, you can go to www.sexedforyou.com forward slash free consult and request a consult. Holland will decide whether or not you can get that consult. Um, I work a lot with individuals and partners and parents and throuples and polycules to do this exact thing that Helen's saying to learn to communicate. Um, And it's my deepest joy, my deepest joy. Um, Remember, these are our thoughts and opinions. We want you to go make your own. We don't think that we are the end all be all. This is not like magic. Um, Research, do your research. It's really, really fun. Um, And this is not like a how you should go live your life podcast. This is a how we are doing it in real time podcast. Thanks for coming to this episode of Sex Ed for You. We'll see you soon.